names were Shikran and Pua. When you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, let her live. The midwives, however, feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. They let the boys live. And then the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and asked them, Why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? The midwives answered Pharaoh, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are more vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. So God was kind to the midwives, and the people increased and became even more numerous. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. And then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Every boy that is born, you must throw into the Nile, but let every girl live. This is the word of the Lord. Surprising how often I uh, come across uh, readings in the Bible where I find it very difficult to say, this is the word of the Lord at the end of it. And that's one of those uh, readings when you, you hear it and you, you think about what actually the implication of the words are. It's very hard to say this is the word of the Lord very glibly. Because what we're talking about here is something that's to do with life and death. In a moment I'm going to go and look at those, but I did want to say, I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to seeing those guys leading worship at Greenbelt and Spring Harvest in a few years' time. I just, isn't it thrilled seeing Ben? I remember Ben as a young boy standing up there, starting just picking away at his guitar, looking very diffident, trying to stay in the background all the time. And then I watched him today absolutely going for it and playing with a massive smile on his face, just full of life and joy. Thanks, Ben, for inspiring me this morning and for encouraging me. And and what a precious gift uh, all these young people are. And those of your parents, uh, and your children are young, your kids hopefully are going to be up there one day uh, leading us as we go on. Uh, as we bring them forward and pray for the young people's leaders, because it's their response. It's they're the ones who've, who've led us. They, too, are superheroes, as we're thinking about ordinary superheroes. Hmm? And Susie, yeah, but she's my daughter. She knows. She gets that from me all the time. Let's pray. Father, I ask that as we reflect... Uh, together on this uh, passage uh, that you will speak to us and encourage us. Amen. I'm taking my watch off because I have a habit, as some of you know, of speaking for far too long and improvising, uh, so I'm not going to do that today. I've been given strict instructions by Anita uh, that I mustn't go on for too long. Uh, Yesterday, uh, many of you will be aware of uh, John McCain. Uh, a senator and a presidential candidate who stood against Barack Obama uh, passed away, having just a few days before decided that he was uh, not going to take the drugs uh, that were keeping his life, uh, uh, prolonging his life for cancer. And I just read this morning some of the things that people said about him. Joe Biden uh, said yesterday that John's life is proof that some truths are timeless. Character, courage, and integrity... A life lived embodying those truths casts a long, long shadow. And he went on to say John McCain will leave a very long shadow. Barack Obama, who stood against him and defeated him, said this. He said, few of us have been tested the way John once was. He was a Vietnamese uh, veteran and uh, he was uh, given lots of medals for what he did. Or required to show the courage that he did. But all of us can aspire to the courage 
to put the greater good above our own. And I love that. And as we come to think about Shipra and Pua, those two things really spoke to me. Or they, they spoke about uh, John McCain. They could easily have been said about those two women. Those two women who were alive uh, at an age uh, uh, when... Sorry. My notes are in the wrong order, so I'm going to put that back in the right way. And there we're doing. Who were alive in an age uh, that in many ways... I was kind of thinking about it. it, it it's it's a, a really powerful age. The Egyptian empire at the time was huge. And uh, it was the time, they don't know the exact time of the Exodus, but it was somewhere in the time when the pharaohs were building the pyramids, when there was huge wealth and incredible skills. And uh, not only were they building the pyramids, they were building massive cities out of carved stone. They were building temples like the ones at Abu Simbel and Luxor that we've seen. And they were... Um, uh, building and carving things like the Great Sphinx. This is a time when Egypt was at its zenith of its power and the pharaohs represented that power and embodied it. So these Egyptian kings had enormous power of life and death. And this was a very sophisticated society full of learning and wealth and power. We're not talking here about a, a kind of small tin pot nation. And uh, we know, too, that uh, at some point in that history, there was a famine in the area where the Hebrews were living, and Joseph, who'd been sold into slavery, was sent uh, to, uh, uh, to Egypt, and he grew up there, and as he grew up, he became known for his wisdom and became advisor to the king. And so the people, uh, Jacob and his brothers, his sons, Joseph's brothers, came to Egypt and took refuge there, where there was in the time of famine. And they settled in Egypt, and they grew, and they flourished, and they thrived. And as time passed, uh, we hear that the, the pharaohs, new pharaohs came, and people forgot, because generations were passing, of these Hebrews who were living amongst them. They forgot uh, what they owed to uh, Joseph, and they forgot the way in which they lived and helped each other to thrive. And what was happening was, as the Hebrews were living there, they were growing in numbers and popularity, and people were noticing and you know what happens sometimes when people who are different start to grow in power and influence? The people who are in power, and maybe if things are starting to not go quite so well, they start getting frightened and they start looking for scapegoats. Who can we blame? Who are the people that we can put our, our finger on? And the Hebrews were ripe for that because their name pointed to their history that they were nomadic people. They were travelers. And we know how in our country, sadly, the word gypsy has had a negative connotation. We see the travellers, they're fair game, and it's become negative and derogatory. And so the Hebrews, the name of the Hebrew, was talking about people who were not really belonging. They were travellers, they were people from outside, and therefore we could show them, the Egyptians felt, with contempt. They were valueless. And so they were ripe for exploitation and abuse. And we read that they were enslaved and, and put into forced labor. But nevertheless, even though they were in the situation of oppression, and despite that forced labor, we read that they were very fertile, that God blessed them, and they had lots of babies. 
and their numbers were increasing. And as the numbers increased, so the powers that be and the people around grew more and more suspicious and more and more frightened about what would happen. And so we read that the pharaoh, the king of the time, he's not named, but the king, came up with a plan to deal with the problem. And that, in effect, was going to be a genocide. Because the women, they could breed to Egyptian men. That's no problem. We don't mind having young girls growing and doing that. But boys, that's where the power is. That's where the thing was at the time. And so what we'll do, they decided, was to wipe out all the young boys so that the people, the Hebrews, would inevitably die out and no longer be a threat. Genocide. And that's where we meet Shipra and Pua. Two uh, midwives, Hebrew midwives, or midwives of the Hebrews. There's some confusion as to whether they were Egyptians who were uh, midwives of the Hebrews or whether they themselves were members of that uh, body. Their names suggest that they might be uh, uh, more likely to be Hebrews, but they could equally have been uh, part of the Egyptian uh, uh, midwife service, as it were. So we have these two women. And we don't know much about them. We know they're women. We know that they were midwives. We know that they were somehow singled out uh, and remembered because the pharaoh, the king, came and summoned them and said, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get there uh, as you're looking after the babies of the, the, the Hebrews. And when a baby is born, the moment it's born, if it's a boy, you're to kill it. And we know that they didn't do that. That when they arrived and they delivered the babies, they didn't have it in them to kill those babies. And instead, they let them live and carried on their job. And we know that as a result of that action, uh, they were called up uh, before the pharaoh, before the king, and they were summoned to explain themselves. And we know that in the end, they explained themselves in a way Uh, that enabled them to carry on doing what they were doing. And actually, when you think about it, what they did in that situation was incredibly clever. Because when the king brought them forward and said to them, tell us, why is it that uh, uh, these babies are not being killed, that you're not killing them? They turned around and said, well, the the Hebrew uh, women, they're not like our Egyptian women. They are so fertile and so vigorous that they give birth before we even get there. It's too late. And why was that so clever? And I was kind of thinking about it. It was clever because it played into the very fears and beliefs that were driving the ruling elite. They were frightened that these people were breeding so fast that they were going to become a threat. So when they came and said, look, they are breeding so fast, they just believed it because they chimed in, and it was a very clever answer. And so they weren't murdered, but they were free to carry on looking after those children and bringing them into uh, life and saving the lives of those male babies. It's an amazing thing. Here were women who, at a time when none of the men were doing anything. It's interesting, that, not it? None of the men are recorded as doing anything. And when Moses, who was specially called by God, stood up and started to do something, his fellow Hebrew men said, stop doing it, you're going to get us in trouble. That's really interesting, isn't it? 
It was two women. Now, we don't know why Shipra and Pua particularly were picked out, because there were thousands of babies uh, that were being born. They couldn't have delivered them all. There must have been many other midwives. And it may be that they're picked out perhaps because it was them who started it, and by their example, others were able to uh, find the courage to be able to do the same. Or it could be that they were somehow the, what you might call the union reps, the leaders of the midwives, so they became the ones who uh, were directing and encouraging the others as to what they should do. Or it may even be that they might have been the two who uh, delivered Moses, and that's why they're remembered. All we do know is that they were remembered and they stood up against injustice. They showed those aspects that we mentioned uh, before, courage and character and integrity. They chose to follow something that was more important and more valuable than their own lives. And I've lost the rest of my notes, so I'll have to remember them in doing that. So what do we uh, take away from this story? Well, I think one is that we can take away the fact that God chose to use women. Now, so often in, in the past, it's always been about men. But here are two women who are picked up at this key moment who take leadership in a society that would not really give very much leadership or credence to them. And God uses them, and their names are remembered. It's not often you die up here, is it? Secondly, they were women of courage. They were women who were willing to uh, see an injustice and even though the most powerful person in the world who had the power of life and death were able to speak up, they were willing to speak up. And I want you to think about what those two ordinary women did as a result of their actions. They were midwives, They weren't special. They were just ordinary people. And yet, through their actions in challenging injustice and challenging a mighty power, many, many people were saved and the people of Israel were were eventually taken out of slavery and into the promised land. And as a result of their actions, we too can have come to follow Jesus Christ. And it struck me that not only, there are, there are people who are doing things like that around us. I was uh, at Down End Soup uh, a few weeks ago, uh, or a few months ago. If you haven't been to Down End Soup, you need to go. It's a great opportunity to be able for local people come and pitch their ideas, and uh, the money that's raised, all of it goes uh, to, those, to the winning um, uh, charity, but the others that come get other opportunities. And on this particular one, Haley Jennings came, and she was telling about her work, Hope for Home, Help for Homeless. And two women, basically she and another, 
They saw the needs of homeless people in the city and they couldn't stand by, so they went out and they began to do something about it. And now if you go and visit their Facebook page, you can see that lots and lots of other people have joined in. And people are going round and their eyes are open to the situation and they're coming back and saying, what can we do to help? How can we change this situation? The example of two women inspiring others and leading them on to believe that if those people can do it, so can we. And I think that's a really important thing. If they can do it, so can we. They were ordinary people. And we're ordinary. We're not like the Nehemiahs, most of us. We're not like the great leaders. But we are like people, midwives. We have lots of midwives in this country. In this, and, and there are midwives in this congregation, I'm sure. And people that we know. And there are people who work in our, street, in our shops. And uh, there are people who work in our education system. Wherever we are, God can use us. And they had the courage when the moment came to aspire to something that was more important than themselves. And I think it's worth us reflecting on our lives as we think about Shipra and Pua. Where are those places where we can aspire to do something for the greater good rather than just for ourselves? Where are those moments? Because you see, if God can use Shipra and Pua, he can use all of us. He can use you and me. And just as John McCain, uh, you remember that uh, thing from Joe Biden, that shadow will go for a very long way. It's worth us asking, where will our shadow stretch? As we live our lives for Christ, as we seek to uh, follow him, how far will our shadow fall? Shipra and Pua's, 3,000 years later almost, 2,500 years later, we still remember their names. Two ordinary people who gave their lives for God, for something that was more important than their own lives. Now, Shipra and Pua were blessed by God. We see that they were blessed with children and families. It doesn't always happen. Because we, we don't do something for God and expect him to do something for us. What we do is we love him and we offer ourselves as we are. How far will our shadows fall? Amen. And I'm sorry about drying up earlier. That hasn't happened to me for a long time. <laughs> <laughs>